0: Hey guys, welcome to Not Just a Hashtag Podcast, presented by Trees of Hope. I'm your host, Nicole Escobar. On this podcast, we will be discussing the epidemic of sexual abuse, its realities, and the unfiltered ways in which it has affected all of our lives. We share our personal stories and how our lives have been restored. While this podcast is for everyone, we do want to let you know that we use several trigger words, and this is geared more towards adult audiences. This podcast is for anyone who wants to educate themselves on the statistics behind sexual abuse, signs to look out for, and how to prevent it from happening. So let's get to it. Okay, we are back with episode 47. I am Nicole, and I'm here with our mental health counselor, Kristen Torres, and awesome co-host, Stevie Essler. Hey, Kristen. Hey, Stevie. Good to see you guys.
1: Yeah, I wanted to remind everyone, take a moment to remind everyone, too, that um, this is for educational or informational um, purposes only, we this does not take the place um, of advice from your doctor or your therapist because very likely we don't know you, haven't met you or heard your specific story. So we want you to you to make sure that you're getting that personal advice that you need. And this doesn't take the place of that. But we hope you do find some encouragement and hope, um, you know, in this, in listening to this podcast. So thanks for being here, everybody.
0: Absolutely. So this month we are continuing our three-part series, and this is the second installment or episode of the topic of intimacy and how sexual abuse can affect the physical, emotional, and spiritual intimacy of a survivor. So on this episode, we are going to be looking at the last barrier to intimacy, which is a judgmental attitude, a critical spirit. And then we are going to talk about the reasons people avoid intimacy and what are some of those barriers to intimacy. Um, But before we get into it, I just want to remind everyone that if you're not married and you may be thinking these episodes aren't for you because you're single or you don't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, I want to just continue to encourage you, please keep listening. This isn't about sex. So much deeper than that. It's so much bigger than that. It's actually about relationships. And I promise you, if you listen and you start on episode um, 46- and continue on to 47 and follow us to the end. You may come to terms with the fact that you have intimacy issues and we don't want to bring something to your attention so that we leave you there. What we want is for you to address it and for you to get healthy. And when you're healthier, the people around you are healthier and and you're healthier in the way that you view the world and the way that you treat people. And to be honest, the way that you see God and his love for you and the more healthy, I know Kristen, I know Stevie, you both can talk into this is the healthier we are, We love ourselves more, but how much more can we hear from God and and hear hear his encouragement to us and his words of life and his challenges to us as well? So please don't minimize, guys, and please don't disregard this just because you may think this isn't for you. This is for everyone. All right. So first let's look at a judgmental attitude in the context of a barrier to building intimacy with others. And another reaction to having our needs not met is a critical spirit. So a judgmental at- attitude, let's talk about that. So as survivors, we tend to be very critical of our spouses, children, or close friends and family. We judge others because we fear betrayal. Um, when I read that for the first time, I thought to myself, no way, I'd never do that. And then I took an honest look and I was like, yeah, half the things that I do is because at the end of the day, I'm worried someone's going to betray me, (laughs) right? That's such a scary thing to feel is being betrayed by people. So it feels better and easier to be critical or judgmental about people. Because if we do that, then we've already cut them down in our mind. We've already... Um, belittled them or seen them lower than us it's really an ego and a pride issue I'm sorry to say that but it is the truth and we need to deal with that so we sometimes test every aspect of our relationship always hoping we won't be betrayed by doing things that undercut those relationships we sometimes will set standards that are unrealistic um, or we will do things that won't let people measure up We keep everyone at a distance so we don't risk having to get intimate with people. So Kristen, how can a critical spirit ruin intimacy in relationships?
1: Well, something I've talked about, I think before is just like the idea of intimacy being like um, where you're really seen and known by someone like the good and the bad, right? The good, bad, and the ugly as they say. So um, if you think about it, how are you going to be able to really be known by someone, and then also know someone else in that deep, honest way. If you are busy judging them, right. Or having a critical spirit about someone else. Like when we are in that mode, I think in our heads about being critical or being judgmental, of someone else, we almost have our hand out. It's keep space between us and another person because we can't be close and intimate with them meaning knowing them seeing them for who they are and allowing ourselves to be seen if we have our hand out the whole time it keeps space i really think a lot of times the judgmental attitude comes from a place of fear um and it's really it's almost like a, a coping mechanism and excuse me a defense mechanism in a way it's keeping us what we feel like um, in a safe place because it's keeping distance between us and another person so it's kind of like having an attitude that's judgmental or critical in a lot of ways is like the opposite of of intimacy Mm. you know because intimacy has a level of openness and, and and honesty and acceptance and it doesn't mean that you don't bring up issues that need to be talked through you know that's part of intimacy too it's gonna you know conflict can be a part of that that's healthy that's different than being just critical and judgmental again that's really keeping space between you and the other person and it creates An unsafe, um, emotionally unsafe environment is what it does. So it definitely it gets its opposite, I think, to what intimacy should look like. But if we allow ourselves to take a step back when we're in that place of being judgmental or critical, and ask ourselves what's going on for me right now, I think that we can work through what it's real. What is really about, you know, like you were you were talking about. Um, Nicole, when you were talking about this at first, you were saying about that potential potential, uh, fear of betrayal, right? If you've already judged or been critical of this person, then you're almost like preparing if this relationship were to end or something. So again, we're trying to, we try to control when we're afraid. So fear, I feel like is the ultimate base of what's going on when we get in this mode. And that's what we need to deal with you know, that fear of, of the risk of being close with someone and the fact that we could be hurt because yes, every relationship
0: has risk to it. So mm, that's really, really good. I don't and think we can avoid it. No, I know it's, we can't avoid <laughs> relationships, but it, that's a really great reminder to all of us that when we're, when we feel like maybe we're starting to um, be judgmental or critical, I always tend to do it at the beginning of a relationship. I don't know why I'm the beginning of everything. It's like, I knock it down. I criticize it. I analyze it a hundred thousand different ways. Um, But it's to stop, like you said, for a second and to ask yourself, what's really going on here? Like, what are you really feeling? And if you can be intimate with yourself and say, you know, this is what I'm feeling. I think the word betrayal, I'm worried, I'm scared about, or a fear, fear betrayal. Um, I didn't feel comfortable sitting in that because that feels weak betrayal feels weak. And I tend to always want to avoid anything that makes me feel weak. So I asked myself, yeah, but what if you did feel weak? Like, what if you did, what if somebody betrayed you? Does that mean you're weak? No. It, what does that say more about them, right? Than you? Right.
1: Oh my goodness. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, anything in life that's potentially has joy, um, or goodness in it, there's risk that we can be hurt. Like, I don't, the only way in which to avoid that is to kind of like lock yourself up and hide away. And, and I think what that ends up leading to is just like a slow death, Hmm. you know, because we were meant to be in relationship with other people, but it is risky. We can be hurt you know, but I think the only way also that we can experience life and joy is to be in relationship with other people. So yes, can we be betrayed? For sure. We cannot control anyone else and their behaviors. We can just try to make the best decisions we can make at the time with the information that we have. And ultimately, if we're talking about faith, then we're saying, all right, Lord, I have been hurt before, I have been wounded, I have been abused, I have trusted when I shouldn't maybe shouldn't have trusted, or I was taken advantage of when I was a child and didn't know any better, and I was just, I had a need that was being met by another person, and I was wounded, those are deep wounds to, you know, a lot of what, which we talk about here, right, to walk through and to work through, it's a process of healing those areas, but I think Part of that healing is going to be allowing ourselves um, as adults to open ourselves up to relationships, to try to find people who are safe, you know, so that we can allow ourselves to be vulnerable again and trust again. It doesn't mean that it will always go perfectly, but I think that that's a big part of our healing is to do that. Because I want you to think of anytime you've had an interaction with someone else that has been... Um, positive has been had that person has been accepting of you um, who has received your imperfections with grace right has treated you well and said don't worry about it you're just human or I understand like how healing is that right but if we stay judgmental critical all those things I just think we're afraid and we're keeping people at a distance because we're afraid of being hurt of being vulnerable, of being betrayed, all those things, but I think it's it's important for us to look at what's going on for us so that we can continue working toward healing.
0: So good, that's awesome. So Stevie, I want to hear from you. Um, how has this critical, spare, judgmental attitude affected your life and intimacy?
2: Yeah, so <laughs> it's uh, it really does go back to the fear of betrayal. Like that is the it is such. Man, those two words together, it's, that's like the, that's the combo. And for me, like what I really found for myself too, a lot of it was a testing. Like I was testing, testing my friends. Like, are they yeah. going to be, you know, um, I, man, I would looking like, <laughs> I, I really have to laugh at like my high school, my college relationships, because I was testing the water with so many of my friends. Like, so I would say something not like out there, but I would throw something hard at my friends to see how they would handle it. And okay. Are they going like, how are they going to handle my story? How are they going to handle? Um, if I
1: stick around, right. Yeah. They're
2: going to stick around. Like, are they going to stick around? Because I know that at the end of the day, you know, my story is a lot and is it too much for people? And so that was like, that was my, that, that, really affected so, I mean, so many friendships and even, I would say it really affected friendships, you know, until I got into counseling and really started like diving deep into, into how, um, how sexual abuse actually, I don't want like, I don't want to say destroyed my life, but Mm -hmm. how it made such an impact on my life that affects everything moving forward. And so, you know, it's like, I can't, it's funny. I'm like, I'm trying to think back on something like a specific, like a specific something that happened, but, and I, and I honestly can't think of it right now, but I do know that my testing of relationships was all because I feared people leaving me. And so I would throw out, like, again, like I would throw out pieces of my story to people who I had never met. And like, I'm a brand new friend with them. You know, it's like, are they going to be a good friend of mine? Like, do I trust them with my story? Are they going to walk away once they hear my story? And so it just, it was such a, such a fear. Like I really did live in fear for a majority of my life. And I'm, I mean, I just turned 39 and I've been in counseling for it'll be 11 years and, you know, come this summer. And I mean, really, and truly, like before I went, before I really dove deep into counseling, my, my, really my existence was fear-based. It was all of my friendships were fear-based because at any second I was afraid that these friends were just going to walk away and I wouldn't have these friends. And, 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 and I will say the one, like there has been, I've had, I've had, I've really, some really amazing friends. Um, but my best friend has stood through, like stood with me, like has actually physically held me at times and said, Hey, I'm not leaving. Like I, like, stop. You just, I mean, she, sh- I remember one time like she actually shook me and she's like, you have to stop. Like, you just have to stop. Cause I'm right here, Stevie. Like I am right here. And it was, but I was so fearful that I had this awesome friend that one day she was just going to be like, I'm done. I'm done. And, and, and it's been, it's our friendship has been probably one of the most like rejuvenating, rejuvenating things for my, for my life because I saw the love of, I saw her love me through the Lord and I fell back in love with the Lord because of how she loved me, but I had to let go of that fear, but it, it was such a, but yeah, so it's like, I, I really do laugh. I'm like the fear betrayal is probably one of, I think one of, if not one of the biggest issues for sexual abuse, victims, survivors, it is.
0: Yeah. Everything you said, Stevie, I totally relate to. And I, the first thing that I was thinking about when you were saying that is, um, especially like new relationships, you push the barriers to see if they'll stay or whatever is how does, and this is maybe is a good question for you, Kristen. Um, how do two people who are new to a friendship that have this fear, because we all do, if we're very honest and we're open and we're willing to be transparent, we all struggle with this. Because when I've opened up about this and I've shared this with other friends, um, I've been hit back with, well, I felt the same way about you and I was afraid that you were gonna betray me or I felt like you didn't really like me or I felt worried that you... you know." So how do we break through this and how do we say, I'm going to be, I'm going to be the, not I hate to use the word bigger person. Cause that's really not what it is, but I'm going to be the pursuer. I'm going to try, right. I'm going to push past this, these worries. How do we, how do we encourage ourselves to do that? Cause that's very hard. It is right.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I think, um, I think being honest, like we're talking about right now is the biggest part of that too, is being real and honest about, listen, it's scary to be friends right now you know, it scares me. Like I was, I'm, I'm worried because of, you know, whatever I have been through in the past. Um, I'm afraid like somehow this friendship will end or I'll share things and it's going to be too much and too heavy. And, and you're going to leave, you're going to run away from this or, um, figure out like, you don't like me or I'm too much or whatever it is. Like, I think we just have to be honest about what our fears are. You know, so that we can work through them because that's also how you learn someone else's character is by how they respond to that. That's how you learn to trust is to be honest one step at a time, one step at a time and see how they respond back. And I think we, you know, I may have mentioned this before, this image of almost like a tennis match or tennis game, right? When a friendship is similar to that, you're gonna hit a ball over, the other person hits the ball back. You hit a ball over the other person hits the ball back. You guys kind of match one another's pace and energy at it, right? Like the other person, uh-huh. so one person is not going to be like, bam, 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 bam. And then, and then the other person is kind of like, well, let me see what happens. Like like there needs to be an equal Kind of back and forth, and I think that's how you build a friendship. And and so, how does that translate practically, right? So that's like you share something, the other person shares something. You share something maybe a little bit deeper. The other person shares something a little bit deeper. That's how it stay. You keep a balance and you learn to trust.
2: One hundred percent. And that's and I, that goes back with like my friendship with my best friend, and that was, and it was something that she said. Like I man, the Lord really moved so much in like in, in that friendship, like he really did show, like he showed up, he showed up and showed me how I was a good friend and how I could have good friends. Like it was one of the, it just, it was a really rejuvenating friendship and we're still best friends. And, but that was something that she said to me like years ago, she was like, Stevie, sometimes you're going to have a really rough day and I'm going to have a really rough day. And this is a two-way street. Like you're going to have to console me sometimes. Cause I had this, I had a lot of this guilt of, man, I am always the one with issues. Like I am always the one who's having like something happen. I like, it was just, I felt like I was the, I was the bleeder. Like she was constantly putting a band-aid on, you know, a new spot and, you know, and, and I will say like, yeah, there were a couple of years where that was the case, but then there has also been so many times where I have now been that person for her and so it is. It's a tennis match. Like you, get, there, there is not like a tit for tat, but there really is a back. There, every relationship there's a that back and forth. forth. Right? And if there's not a back and forth, it's just a one. You're just, you know, it's like I love the ten, actually tennis analogy. You're playing tennis just against a wall, and so right. it's like you can only be so good whenever you're playing against a wall. But whenever you start to get like whenever, you, whenever you have friendships and you're actually going back and forth you grow like that's how you actually become a better friend a better person a better spouse because you're going back and forth and you're not one-sided and so but it is it is it's the it's just it is it's a fear it is such a fear but it's letting go and being
1: real um, and being real real. and
2: being real and being okay with real and that's the other thing it's like that's and something that actually my counselor said at the very very beginning I remember her saying that you know she's like, Stevie, you are holding back certain info from people because you don't think they can handle it. And she goes, you are choosing what you think people can handle. And she goes, are you not, are, are these not all adults? Can they not also choose what they can handle? And that was a huge light bulb for me of like, you know what? I can't, I can't, coattail curtail everything just so it looks all you know I wrap everything up in a pretty little bow and hands to everyone because that's not real life I've got to give them sometimes like the actual wrapping paper and tape and let them wrap the gift and having that was such a light bulb moment for me of bringing fear not like not letting fear into that um And knowing that if I am, like, if it is too much, it's on that person to tell me if it's too much for them. And that let go, that just is like a huge, a huge weight off my shoulders, having that type of friendship and relationship. And that goes with my parents, that goes with my brother, that goes with my friends, that goes with my staff. It's all around. I, yeah, now, like, yes, there are times where like, there's some things that just don't need to be said, but. You can't live in that fear that you just can't, you can't be free to talk and have those open relationships and friendships Mm -hmm. and conversations.
0: And how life-giving is it, um, to have those friendships that do see you as you are and accept you and they know you're, your flaws they know you're opinionated they know you like not you I'm saying we as in general you know I have friends like that where every time I leave their house I'm like okay they're never going to be my friend ever ever again and while I'm driving home they're texting me like thanks for coming it was so fun and I'm like thank god I got through another time (laughs) (laughs) where they did not give me crap for being so judgmental and just opinionated and all this stuff. And it's like, so refreshing to have friends like that. Um, you know why I think like that though, is because when I'm leaving, I'm judging them. I'm criticizing everything that they did. And the Bible says, you know, you will be judged based on the same measure you judge others. So that's been a really big conviction of mine lately, which is Nicole, the only reason why you're feeling that is because you're doing that to other people. And I still haven't gotten to the reason why I do it. Like other than what we've talked about here, which is, I guess I'm, I'm scared of being betrayed, you know, like they're going to leave me. So I'm like, I'm going down the list of all the criticisms. Well, look at them. Look what they did. Look what they said. Look how they were acting. Right. Oh, yeah. we want
1: it we want to be in control guys yeah that's why we go overboard in this stuff because if we didn't want to be in control because we were if we were not afraid we wouldn't have to try to control everything because even Stevie what you were talking about what your therapist kind of confronted you with at that beginning right
2: mm-hmm. was the
1: fact that you were trying to control everything yep trying to control all the parts and everybody's yeah. reactions and everybody's things because we're afraid if yep. when we're not afraid we don't try to control we can just be yeah when you are we are afraid go- we try to control everything because we're yep. afraid
2: and that all goes back and this all goes back to as a child not having control over what happened to me yeah. and yeah. so it's like you know it's like okay so this now goes like this stems back to 8 year old stevie not having control over what was sexually happening to yeah. me yeah. and that's you know it's like this is the <sighs> man, this is where this just sucks. Like it just, this sucks as um, this sucks for sexual abuse. It sucks. And the, contr- it, but yeah, control it is, you nailed it. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I was just thinking like I I've been thinking that lately Stevie like yes this does suck for us right? But then I started I don't know maybe it was God but I cuz like I I just you know I I work from home so these thoughts that of mine are just going all day and when my husband gets home he's like you need people around you. You're literally thinking about everything and I'm like okay babe so here's what I'm thinking. So um I was thinking about that exact thing and I thought I said, I told him, I'm like, but the thing that I keep balancing that with is every time I go down that, but this sucks for, cause it did take away something, but we have this beautiful opportunity to not only talk about it, to, to set others free, but also to have an opportunity to change. Right. Yeah. And not, and to get healthier because I was thinking, okay, sorry, mom, if you're listening, but my mom is one person that I, I I'm her, you know, I'm apple of her eye, right. I'm the person from her womb. So she and I have very similar traits and my mom is a caged animal. And I feel really sad for her because she hasn't had the healing opportunities that I have, or maybe she has, she just hasn't taken them because she hasn't seen that you know, she, on the outside, she looks strong and and courageous, but she's scared to deal with these hard issues and to look inward. And when we deal with these things, we're basically saying for me and for my generation that comes after me, I'm going to be healthy and I want to change this. And so, you know, I never want to say I'm glad sexual abuse happened to me, but what I am glad is that because of my sexual abuse, I now have the opportunity to change all of the history, generational curses and all of the junk that was in my family line because now I'm more aware. Now I'm, I'm addressing issues. I'm challenging myself to step out of my comfort zone, even when it hurts. And I'm challenging myself to be brave why for my next generation, for my, for the people that are going to come through the the children that are going to come through my womb, come through my womb, come out of my womb, but also at the same time, you know, the children that I mentor and I pour into that you need to address these things, right. And not just let them be. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Drop mic. Let's go. No. (laughs) That's great. It's true. So encouraging, Nicole.
1: Yeah. Like that hope It's so true. And like hope and healing are possible. And I think that's what everyone needs to just constantly be reminded of. I know we say it a lot. Hope and healing are possible. Like this is just not like, this is not a life sentence. This is not a death sentence. Hope and healing are possible just because you have experienced sexual abuse does not mean
0: this is what defines you the rest of your life.
1: No, Love that.
0: Love yes. that. I'm going to use that um, moving forward. So if you hear me say that, I'm stealing it from you. That's good. <laughs> All good. It's <This> true. <laughs> <clears throat> um okay so now we're just going to you know as i said this is a three part series so we're just going to briefly go over some ways that we avoid intimacy. So first there we re- we avoid intimacy with substitutes for intimacy. We may try perfectionism, setting standards too high so neither us or anyone else can measure up. Another one is false compassion. It's an unfruitful way that we compensate for a lack of in- intimacy. We may lead friends to thinking that we approve of things that aren't right or we take sides in conflicts where it's none of our business or, you know, our friend is maybe dating a bad person or in in a bad relationship and we just, To avoid the fact that we don't want to get into a fight with them or, or be, um, or upset them. We say, yeah, they're good. You know, continue dating them. It's not a big deal. And actually, I want to spend some time here because I know false compassion is to me, it's, um, disingenuine. It's super disingenuine. So I have some friendships that I've cut out of my life, but one of the reasons why I cut them out was one trait I saw over and over was a fear of being honest with me. And that to me is very hard to deal with because as you guys know, I like straight up honesty. I prefer you to tell me if, you know, if I say, Hey, I feel like really ugly and fat today. I'd rather you say, yes, I agree. I think you don't look that great. This outfit is not on you like looking good. And yes, you look like you've gained weight because why? Then I can take an honest reflection. I can go back and adjust. But when someone's like, no, you're so beautiful. Oh my gosh. Or that outfit looks great. Or even worse, you know, if let's say, um, for instance, I had said to somebody that I created this thing and I said, hey, take an honest look at it and let me know what you think. And as a graphic designer, we don't want people to always be like, yes, that's awesome. Because the reality is if it gets printed and it looks like crap, it's embarrassing. It's your names attached to it. So um I had shown my friend this and thank God she knows me well enough by now where she was like, Nope, that ain't going to work girl. Nope, 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 nope. So I was like, thank you. But I had text that same thing to another friend and they were like, love it. And I was like, And then I text them back and I was like, in the future, please, you know, that looks like crap. You know, that looks like crap. So please, in the future, be honest with me. And (laughs) she was like, no, it doesn't. It's just that's more my style. And I'm like, well, that ain't my style. So please. So the reality is, is that I just, you know, we have these friends in our lives that just go along with us and they're afraid to challenge us. They're afraid to. You know, they're giving us false compassion. I'm sure you guys have dealt with this Stevie, you know, speak into this because you're a strong woman and I'm sure other people are afraid to confront you on stuff. Not, not to say that in a mean way, but I'm sure it happens because it happens to me all the time. So how do we deal and speak into that?
2: Gosh, yeah. I mean, especially because I've like set myself up to be this like literally powerhouse woman who's using power tools and building stuff. And so it's like the, yes, oh my gosh, false compassion is such a thing. But, I, you know, I think the the thing too is that what I, would I, like what I really resonated with was like the setting standards too high for myself or really not really actually not even for myself is for other people. And so I would set these um especially like friends like it knew you know it's like as people were starting to really start getting serious about dating a handful of years ago and starting to get married and I'm watching some of my really good girlfriends get in some relationships where I'm like they should not be dating this guy like this is not a good relationship what's happening with their relationship is not good and but I would I would like I wouldn't call like I would judge them in my brain and in my heart But then I'm like, kind of patting them on the back that everything is great um, to their face, and like, and then and saying things. So I'm not actually, I wasn't calling them out on stuff, even though, like, I wouldn't call them out on sin. I wouldn't call like, I was, I really was not calling it out. I was just like, okay, this is all, this is all good. And again, this was a, this is this goes back to like the tennis playing. Like I'm essentially, I was just playing a one sided tennis game with my friends. I was not giving them. any type of love, because if they knew that, if they really, like, if I really loved them, I would have said, hey, what's happening in your relationship is not Christ-like. It's not good. Um, This should not be happening. And, but I didn't, I just didn't. So I would, I would stand back. um, And then I, you know, it's like part of what we're going to talk about too. It's like, or, you know, it's like, I would go into the complete opposite and act like a clown, show off, be the center of attention to take tension attention away from what I should have been talking about. I would draw then attention to myself and look like an idiot. I mean, honestly, like just really look like an idiot. But yeah, just it 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 definitely like taking sides in conflict and then oh man, being a a bad companion, like being a bad like at the end of the day, like being a bad friend, and it what it, it didn't it did no one any justice. And then I would walk away honestly sad and depressed that I then didn't have a good relationship with this person because I wasn't being open and honest with them. Um yeah, so it, man, it really it, it's so I love, I love Kristen, what she said a couple minutes ago of just like giving ourselves grace and um giving ourselves grace in that in that relationship. Um yeah. So that's that's my two cents. <clears throat>
1: Yeah. And I was going to say, too, I think, Nicole, what's so really good, just going back to what you said a moment ago about just confronting that those friends like who may do that, that's exactly what you need to do. I think some people don't feel because of what they're something, their things they're working through may not feel safe to just be honest, because maybe what they learned was that they needed to be people pleasing And that's a whole nother can of worms, right? Is that people pleasing, go along with everything, that kind of thing. And maybe that was their way of coping and surviving what they've been through. So some of you may be listening right now and just realize like, I'm that person, you know, I know I've done that, you know, in the past too. So I think, but confronting that in a friendship and just saying like, look, man, just be real with me, that kind of thing. I think that invites um, the other person to do that. I think that there's something about confronting that specifically, I think in a kind way I think is, um, I think that can enhance the intimacy and the safety in that friendship. And then again, you also see the other person's character when you do that, if they then respond by like really making an effort to be more real with you, then you see, okay, this is good. Like, again, that's going to build trust and intimacy. If you see that person, no change happened and you've said something multiple times, then you kind of know, like they're not ready you know, or I'm probably not going to get that deep with this person because they're not going to be real with me, you know, but that's the only way, you know, someone's character is just by being, is by being real with them when something isn't working, you know, so that false compassion, there's a lot of reasons. I think that happens. Like I said, I, it, but, um,
0: if you're sensing that in a friendship, my encouragement is to say something. I know it's so hard. Cause it's like, how do you tell a friend like, Hey, I think sometimes that you people please me. Cause that's really what this is now that you said it. Um, sure. it's, it's people pleasing. Cause, and it, it's, is it truly what they really think? Or is it just making sure that there's no disruption or upsetness? Cause then they're not giving me the opportunity to know them deeper and vice versa. Right. Just like you said. And it's, I think it's saying exactly what you just said. Mm -hmm.
1: I think you people, I think, I think you're people pleasing with me even.
0: Yeah. And I want to
1: know, I want to know, I don't want to know like you, what you really think. Maybe that's the way to approach it too, is just to say like, I really want to know what you think. Like, I want to know you like, there's like, think of the invitation by saying it that way. Like, I want, want you to know that it's, I'm okay with hearing really what you think and like knowing who you really are. You don't have to do that with me.
0: Yeah. And I, I wonder sometimes,
1: do they even know they're doing it? they not. They may not. Some people yeah. don't. Some people don't. Some people do, you know? Um, yeah. It's There's so many reasons and layers sometimes to why we do the things that we do, you know? And, and sometimes people are aware, sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're very, very, very keenly aware of it and they don't know how to change it. So I just think our responsibility is our side of the street in relationships and, and being honest because that's all you can do.
0: Yeah, it just kind of stinks sometimes always being the honest one because you're like, I think what people are worried about is, oh, here she goes again, right? Well, that's if I... You know, because a lot of times I stuff it and I'm like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything. just like what Stevie said, um, where I should have brought something to a friend's attention. And I didn't want to ruffle feathers, especially when I noticed someone's defensive and they're not going to hear me because um, I don't want to always be the one who's waving the flag. And my husband does bring that up often to me is like, you're always the one who points things out to people, especially your family. And you have to remember, you're, not everyone's willing and able to change so quickly and you're always like come on we've already addressed this like let's go right um but i'm selective with that i'm not i don't do that to everyone right there's certain people i will bring that up to um and so how do you push past somebody who is defensive and you need to be honest with them um and you recognize that they're going to like literally jump down your throat if you're if you are honest because i think I think that's my biggest thing is where people get the most false compassion from me or people pleasing is this, I am thinking of one exact friendship where anytime I've ever brought something up to this person, they literally jumped down my throat and slice me into pieces. And they're, they're like a wordsmith. So they're really good at it. However, I will say, I love this person so much because other times they're so great. And what they'll do sometimes is they'll come back a day, a week, a month later and be like, hey, I thought about what you said and that was good. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. But in the moment, I'm their punch, punching bag. And as we all know, I don't like that. And I literally, my first reaction is to like punch back, right? So with this friendship, I have learned to temper myself and to stay calm and to just let them go off and then keep looking at them and to say, well, okay, we'll, we'll circle back in a month <laughs> i would
1: that and and here's what i would say too some of these things don't just have easy answers you know these are just some relationships can be as we all know right listening to this some relationships can be more complicated than others anything in that situation nicole you have to decide like we all do right how what our boundaries are going to be in that situation like there's sometimes if someone treat consistently treat ends up treating you that way when you confront them on something and they just punch like really fight and heart hurt you back I think the question would be is it worth it because that can also be a very exhausting process you know, and that probably also needs to be confronted when she's in like, great, that's something else I have to confront. But it's, and that's for each, each, in each relationship we're in, I think we have to decide what are our boundaries? What are we willing to put up with? When what are we not? Because some relationships are just exhausting when that's the pattern that happens, especially if it's on a regular basis. A one-off is one thing but you know but again everyone's different for some people it's like okay i know where that's coming from with them they're working on it we've talked through this i'm you know i'm willing to put up with that for other people they it may trigger tons of things for them because they feel like they're being attacked you know so it's personal and i think it's you have to figure out what your boundaries are what you're okay with with putting up with you know or um or walking through with someone
0: good advice love that well We're going to close off by saying, you know, the last part of the um, avoiding intimacy is maybe readjusting by demanding attention, just like Stevie had talked about a little bit ago by saying, you know, acting like a clown or showing off or adopting extreme dress or loud or personality in order to get attention. That's such a hard one that people do. And you notice when they're doing it and their whole heart is to have friends, but what it ends up doing is it ends up causing rejection. And we all know these types of people in our life that it's, it's, it's so hard to go deeper with them. So guys, what are your thoughts on that one? Um, I know we only have a few minutes, but just want to hear Stevie, what are your thoughts on that one? And then.
2: Yeah. I mean, this was like, I was saying a little bit earlier, a little bit ago, but this is this was a lot of me in high school and college was just like the show off the center of it, like trying to be the center of attention. Um, and a lot, and it was really like, okay, well, if the attention's on me and on this like part of the funny side of me, then no one's going to worry about, um, the, the, the the crap that's from my past. Like that was like the, it was like, well, if I show off here, then they're not going to worry about this. Um, you know, my story, my story does, it's, it's not, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. And so it really is, uh, and then you know the, like, the, the sad part is, is that as I got older, you know, like there's, I don't want to be a clown. Like I wanted to be serious. I wanted to be a, a stable mm-hmm. friend who my friends knew I was trustworthy and I was loyal. Um, And a clown, you don't think of a trust, you don't think of trustworthy, you don't think of loyal, of loyalty. And so, you know, it's like, as I got older, it was stepping back and like, hey, I don't need to be the center of attention. Do I like, like, put me on a stage, I can perform, but I don't need to be there all the time. Like there is a time and a place for me to perform, but there's a time and a place for me to sit back and to have just a chill conversation on a couch or go on a walk and just be chill. And so that has been, that's been a huge learning curve for me Um, because again, it was, it was like, if I, if I put myself here on the clown level and just the silliness, then no one is going to have to get into my life and get intimate with me. And then they won't know everything. And I just, I'm, I'm self-protecting and that does no one any good because then no one gets to know who I am and what makes me tick and why I'll cry at a Publix commercial now, whenever I see a family together, you know, it's like the, the, and the clown made me hard. Like it, it really made me a harder person. And so that's why I always talk, you know, it's like my BC days, my before counseling days, like before counseling, I didn't really cry because I needed to be this stoic, like sh- I needed to come off as a stoic, strong person who could handle her blank. And at the end of the day, it's like, I, I'm, I wasn't that strong. I needed, um, it actually goes like there's the Bible story, Noah and Aaron, Whenever are not, um, I'm sorry. Oh gosh. Moses and Aaron, um, whenever Aaron, like they needed to hold his hands up. Um, you know, Moses needed his hands held up and his friends came and held his hands up. And that's what I needed. Like I needed to let people into my life that were going to stand there whenever i could not stand my friends were going to stand and hold me you know it's like it literally i just look like like all these bible stories are literally like it's like whenever they opened the roof um so that their these friends opened the roof so they could let their friend down into the house so that they're um so that jesus could heal this person and that's i needed those friends i needed those friends who were going to love me hold on to me and take me like, show me, show me friendship, like show me true friendship. That's what I needed.
0: Love that. I love that you use those examples because I've always looked at those and thought, wow, to have support like that, to have people who believe in you that much to say, I'm going to step aside and let you rise, right? Like you, you come alongside you, support you, see you through this. And that's, I mean, I have to be honest, that is why you get married to a godly man, right? Because that is right there exactly. they they lift you down. They pick you up. And if they're really, really supportive and loving and there for you, they're all they fill all the holes that friendships that hurt you took away. and yeah. they can be your best friend. They can be your support system. They can be your confidant, right? And when you have a stinky marriage, it's it only, um, affirms all those other things and and those things that people chipped away at your heart mm-hmm. so i hope um everyone here you know you you take away just how important intimacy is and how important it is that we don't put these barriers in our life to avoid getting close to people. And if we are doing that, that we take an honest look and say, how can I make a change or how can I correct it from here? One of the things that has always been awesome to me is when I notice. You know, when I have things like this in my life and I know I need to change it, is just being honest with myself and then correcting it. So maybe something is you have to call someone, maybe forgiving somebody, maybe calling them and saying, Hey, let's have a conversation. I'd like to share some things with you. I felt a conviction about something. I'd like to talk about this with you and um go deeper. And, and I'm sorry for you know what I did, or I'm sorry for how I responded that way, or hey, I'm noticing that. Maybe Maybe I'm coming at this with a judgmental attitude. And here's where I'd like to say, I'm going to make a change. I don't know what it is, but what I do know is that we need relationships. Um, we're human. We need them. They're so important and they only enrich our lives.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, that wraps us up. Um, next time we are going to be talking way more about those other barriers to intimacy that we have. We have a whole list. Unfortunately, there's so many that cause us to not go deep with other people. So any other closing statements you want to add here, Stevie?
2: I don't think so. I think just, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, I, I want every, like what Kristen had said earlier, like hope and freedom is huge. And that's what we want for everyone. And so at the end of the day, like, go get yourself, go find a counselor, get yourself some friends that you can have this, that you can have an intimate relationship with, um, and go to counseling, literally like go to counseling and just call your friends, like call your friends, have some really great conversations because we are not meant to walk on this world alone.
0: Amen. All right. So that wraps us up next month. We will have our third installment of our three-part series on intimacy. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. Thanks again for listening to hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. Maybe even consider rating the podcast or share it with one of your friends. It really makes all the difference. For more content from Trees of Hope and to connect with us, go to treesofhope.org. We love you. Bye.